everyone. Welcome to The Meaning of the Movie, your podcast about what matters most when it comes to the film. You are about to hear a spoiler-filled discussion about the themes, the meaning, the character, and Barbie herself. And so we've got a special episode today. I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Andrew Harmon. Andrew, what's up? What's up? Oh, man, it's the movie of the summer. I posted on social media this week that we were going to talk about Barbie, and one of my best friends texted me and was like, Okay, let me get this straight. You're about to mansplain to the world what Barbie means? <laughs> right. When, we, when you said that this is our podcast, my first thought was the last thing anyone wants to hear is Rob and I talk to each other about the Barbie movie. So good news, everyone. We're not doing that today. We're not because we, for the first time in Meaning of the Movie history, have not one but two guest hosts to try to even things out a little bit. And so first of all, we have... My wife, the amazing, the incredible Sarah Stennett. Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thanks, babe. And we also have a good friend of ours, a good friend of the show, longtime listener, first time caller, Amy Garrett. Amy, what is up? Not much. Hanging out with you guys. Having a blast. Well, I'm glad to have everyone on. And I think the first question that I have for all of you, I'm not sure if you had this experience, but when I went and saw not only Barbie, but then the next day and went and saw Oppenheimer, the lobby was crawling with people in bright pink, bedazzled pants, like feather hats, all that sort of stuff. Like I was like, not maybe since like Star Wars Phantom Menace, like Avengers Endgame, had I seen so many people in costumes. And my question is, why do you think this movie grabbed a hold of so many people's hearts? Uh, Amy, why don't you start us off? Why do you think this movie grabbed so many people? I mean, I thought back to the toys that I played with when I, I'm an 80s girl. Um, well, I was born in the 70s, but 80s girl. And I, I mean, we don't have any of the toys that we played with ever put on the big screen like this. Like, think about toys you guys played with when you were kids. Star Wars, Transformers, Ninja Turtles are still around and were when I was a child. Like, we play with Cabbage Patch dolls and My Little Pony and Strawberry Shortcake and Barbie and she's on the big screen like our toys have become life and i i just don't think i think it was this great moment of nostalgia that i wasn't expecting to want to see but it was real life actors that i really love and i wanted to see them in this beautifully crafted set and scene and 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 getting dressed up and getting into character was kind of part of that because barbie was always about the clothes right It's funny that you say that because I was watching the movie, remembering like playing Barbie with my sisters. Like they're like, hey, let's play Barbie. And I was like, I have no idea how Barbie works. I was like, I know Ninja Turtles. You're trying to be defeat Shredder. I know in Star Wars there's Darth Vader. I was like, there's no like task to do in Barbie. There's no challenge. I wanted to bring my like toxic masculinity into Barbie. And, uh, you know, (laughs) even as a small child. I think so. (laughs) Sarah, what do you think? I love the launch point that they gave us in uh, the Toy Story movie. Was it Toy Story 3? Where you've got Barbie coming on the screen and you just get that taster of all the sass and personality and the fun of she and Ken trying all the clothes and just like that kind of set the stage for this Barbie movie to be so fun. And I think it, it, you know, we enjoyed those scenes in Toy Story because... (laughs) We loved all the new clothes that we can put Barbie in and like the scenarios with Ken and all the things that we might have done for several years. And even now there's the uh, Barbie Life in the Dreamhouse animated series that definitely plays off of her sass and all the clothes and all the things. So I don't necessarily expect young Rob to have understood that concept, Um, but it's for sure kind of what's fun about Barbie. I don't know if old Rob understands that concept. (laughs) But I mean, you have big fashion designers who have designed lines for Barbies through the years, not even recently, but like starting in the seventies. I mean, there's, yeah, there's like Chanel clothes for Barbie. Like there's, it's a whole thing. So I think it was fun for us women of all ages to kind of have that as a bond too. Cause my mother played with Barbies at one point and she could come dressed up and my daughters could come dressed up and it's just like a pink party and it was multi-generational and it wasn't like women power. We're finally ruling the world so much as like we're all girls for such a fun multi-generational girls night. And I think that that vibe really helped the theaters come alive this summer. 
I think we're going to get into this when we get into the categories, but this movie did two things. One, it made tons of money. I'm talking like Jurassic Park, Avatar, Titanic sort of money. It's the highest grossing film of the year. It's doing gangbusters business. Two, it had like 150 million opening weekend, I believe. Right. it, It doubled Oppenheimer's box office, which was like 74, I think. And it's still it's still climbing. They're doing an IMAX release next week. Like it's just the machine is still going. So it made a lot of money. But two, it made people really upset. There was definitely like a lot of debate about this movie. And I'm curious from you guys of like what you think or why people got so upset. Maybe, Andrew, you could kick us off in this. Like, (laughs) why did people get so upset about this movie? And even when I was explaining like, oh, we're going to do it. People like, I don't know. What are you going to say about Barbie? So I love that you tossed to me on the why were people upset about this movie as the resident guy that normally hates the movie that we're talking yes, about yes. <laughs> because I loved this movie. So that is not going to be my take, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I thought this movie was fantastic. There is not going to be any Barbie hating from this side of the podcast. Um, <laughs> I do think that um, some people thought that this movie was like man bashing or like, aggressively feminist in like a bad way and i i think they missed the uh the subtlety of what this movie was doing um when i was talking to uh my wife about it a couple days ago one of the things that i said about this movie was i was surprised at how much i enjoyed it considering how on the nose it was all the time and her response to that was i don't think it was on the nose at all there was all this subtlety throughout about um, all kinds of things and all kinds of little I- I- experiences that women had that w- wasn't on the nose. And I sort of stepped back because that is true. And I thought about it and I said, what this movie is, is I don't think I've seen a movie before that is that the plot is about the theme. Like I've seen movies before that are like, oh, if you follow this character, it has a lot to say about the patriarchy. This movie was like... Literally, the idea of patriarchy ruined the world. Like, it was so on 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 the nose that I think some people, when confronted with that, said, oh, I feel offended by this or I feel attacked by this, and so this movie is bad, versus being able to lean into that, see the humor in that, being able to laugh at themselves a little bit, and then um, one of the things that we'll, we'll, we'll get into, but I think that this movie does so well, is, is that it is actively satirizing something while also seeing the good in almost every character and empathizing with almost every character while actively like satirizing and making fun of many of those characters. I mean, I, what I think of or thought of while I was watching it was is The Simpsons. And The Simpsons is one of those shows that is like, satirizing everyone there but there's still like a soul and a heart to it and this family at the center of it and i yeah. thought barbie was doing something similar i did not think we were going to bring up the simpsons on this episode i'm curious do you guys think this is a preachy movie like amy is this a preachy movie is it just like finger wagging at you and preaching at you i don't feel like it because it was so campy like there was so much fun in it and i felt like there was a lightheartedness that i didn't feel preached at like everything that was very serious about the patriarchy was also hilarious about it um so i feel like there was a really great balance i didn't i happen to love it as well andrew like i i thoroughly enjoyed every minute of being there um i do have people that hated it and thought it was just silly and dumb um so i've had some debates about that but i i enjoyed the camp and then um really loved the places where it hit the deep spots and and was able to kind of bring me to a place and make me think a lot more than I was expecting to. I thought it was just going to be a fun ride, right? I wasn't expecting to have yeah. to think, oh, I I actually feel like this sometimes or or I've struggled with those thoughts of identity, you know, and and I, I, I wasn't expecting that. It was a pleasant surprise. Sarah, why do you think people re- reacted so strongly to this movie? Well, uh, I think what's interesting is I went with a group of girlfriends. Uh, we're all kind of around about the same age. And the opening scene where there's the little girls playing with baby dolls. And then, I mean, it's obviously it's a playoff of previous you know movies that open this way. You know, it, it was a whole thing. And I love that she does so many throwbacks to uh, so many iconic films in the the way that she wrote her script. And so 
hats off to her. But uh, I, at that beginning of the movie with the little girls playing with baby dolls on the beach and then the Barbie coming down and then bashing the baby dolls, like that felt very like jarring, borderline offensive to a friend of mine who said, you know, I stay at home with my kids and I love being a mom. And I felt like it was bashing motherhood. And I was thinking like, well, you're missing kind of the, the cinema throwback, like the connection here. Like it was trying to be like funny, silly to be a little overly dramatic, but really talking about how like this kind of gets boring. And now we get to, you know, play pretend and what it is to be women and what, what, what a woman is. It's not just playing with babies, but So I do think there was a little bit of a pushback kind of um, that that there wasn't a, that the motherhood was being attacked. And yet we know that the motherhood theme is all through the movie with um, the mom and the daughter relationship is so central to the movie in and of itself. There's so much heart and so much beauty in how that part of the plot unfolds. And so it feels to me like a lot of those arguments were very shallow in the sense that maybe they were not necessarily coming from uh, having fully watched it or been attentive of them, but maybe think people things were reading about movie as opposed to actually seeing it. Because even our one friend who made that comment, she said, that was kind of weird, but then I understood as I got into it and she was totally great with it. But I think that there are certain things when pulled out of context that people hear and talk about and then they just want to cancel things. And that's kind of what I've seen play out. That's so interesting, Sarah, to me that you bring up that opening scene that's like pretty much a shot for shot remake of the beginning of uh, 2001 Space Odyssey, which is. Thank you. (laughs) I was like, I can't think of what it is. This is amazing. Um, I was going to jump in and say, oh, that's actually 2001. And I was like, ah, is that mansplaining? Is that that mansplaining (laughs) my own wife on the podcast? No, please help me. We're going to probably get a lot of comments on this, Uh, but it's it's okay. We got to lean into it. And I think that that is the thing. It's so interesting to me, Sarah, that you bring up that there was a woman who was offended by the beginning of the movie because it felt like it was bashing motherhood a movie that essentially to me is like if anyone's going to be offended here it's men because this could be seen as a men bashing movie because there's a lot of making fun of men but i think it's it's like you have to enjoy the joke about you and then see what's beyond that so in in that idea of like if one of the greatest like joys in your life is being a mom right i can see how that scene would be like oh this is making fun of the thing that i am but then what's beyond that, right? Like, I think to engage in a good satire, like, you've got to be okay being poked at a little bit mm-hmm. and take the joke and then see what is behind that. And then maybe that idea of empathizing with other people of, like, um, this is how other people feel. And again, I think that's what this movie is about. It's putting everyone in someone else's shoes so that you can feel what they're feeling. Um, yeah. Yeah. This movie is not mean spirited. Like, that's what I thought. Like, all the, all the jokes are fun. That's a great way to put it. And they're fair, and they're they're not nasty. You know, like, even Don't Look Up, a movie that, you know, we talked about a lot early on in the podcast, and I really liked, but it's snarky. It's a little mean. It's a little, like, I'm holier than thou. And this movie is so sweet, and it isn't. And I think, I, I just want to come out and say, this is one of my favorite movies of the year, and I think it's one of the best movies of the year. And it's because Greta Gerwig is a gift. We should be talking about her in the same way we talk about Tarantino and Paul Thomas Anderson. And like she's that level of filmmaker to me. And to have someone like that make a movie about Barbie that was something that I could watch with my eight-year-old daughter. But then I'm thinking of all these classic film references and philosophy and worldview that she's putting in it while it's also still really funny and fun. It, yeah. She stuck the landing, man. Like, that's such a difficult thing to do. And as far as, like, this movie goes, this is a Greta Gerwig movie for sure. Like, at like she is the auteur of this movie. One of the things that I think is so incredible um, about it that gives it a little bit more, not more weight, but an interesting level of, of weight but behind the scenes is that the script was written by both her and her partner, um, Noah Baumbach. Um, so the script was written by a man and a woman who are, um, I don't think they're married, but they're like common law married. They've been together forever. And, um, sort of the, these two people who are together, their exploration of what it means to be a man and a woman. And so the, the fact that like that, that's what it turned into that then she put on screen. I was like, this is, this is, it's, that to me was like a fascinating level to it to see that like two people who are in like a deep intimate relationship 
as they explored what it means to be a man and woman in society, this is what came out of it. Noah Baumbach, who made Marriage Story, Squid in the Whale, uh, White Noise. He's also an awesome filmmaker. Okay, we've talked around it. Let's get right into the categories because I think we'll find some really interesting things. So By the let's way, st- I love how you always say let's get right into the categories after we've talked about something else for like 20 minutes. <laughs> Have you ever seen those like podcast <laughs> memes that is like, all right, we're 45 minutes in. Now let's start the episode, you know. Like, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but let's I think- jump right into the categories 20 minutes in. I'm sure everyone's dis- asleep already. <laughs> <laughs> this discussion has been good, but I think the categories will flesh it out some. So I want to go straight into most meaningful scene. Um, Sarah, what was your most meaningful scene of Barbie? So I think my most meaningful scene is when Barbie is sitting on the bench outside the police station. Ken has gone to go for a walk because she needed to think. And she's sitting there. And as she's sitting she starts looking around and she sees the guy that looks depressed. She sees people playing in joy and she sees all these various human vignettes, scenes, if you will, images all around her. And we get the sound of the nature and the birds and she's looking around, but she sees anger and pain and almost every human emotion playing out all around her. And you can just see her taking it in fully in her face And then she looks as if like, whoa, this is a lot. You know, she's all of a sudden become very conscious of what conscious of the poignant difference between her world and the world that she the actual world. And she turns and she sees the woman next to her who is definitely older. We might say she's in her 80s, very wrinkled, very just sitting there kind of hunched over, minding her business. And she's just staring at her. And the woman kind of catches her glare. Um, out of the corner of her eye and she kind of looks at her and she says can I help you or I don't even know what she said see I can't quote exactly but she looks at her and Barbie says you are so beautiful and the woman kind of half laughs and says don't I know it and smiles really big and it's just the best scene because it's like she really sees for the first time what true beauty is because she also sees pain and imperfection. She can really see beauty, but it's juxtaposed to the previous night, oops, the previous night when she's at the dance party and everyone's like, you're beautiful. No, you're beautiful. You look awesome. So do you. And here she is in this totally different realm, taking it all in. And she looks at this woman just amazed, like almost as if she were a statue in a museum and just takes it in and really deems like this is beautiful and to me that was so meaningful just for her to really come to a realization of beauty exists within a world that's imperfect yeah i think a couple of big things from that scene one is that the woman says i know and that's a common theme throughout the movie because when the when the woman wins the nobel prize when one of the barbie wins it she's like I totally deserve this because I worked really hard. And then there's another moment. She doesn't say thank you. Right. And she do- she doesn't say, oh, this is no big deal or, oh, I don't look great. You know, like, and it's something that, like, I think Greta's very con- conscious of, which is, like, women downplay compliments. Women always bring up their imperfections when complimented. And maybe society makes them do that or whatever the thing is. But I just thought I picked up that on on this watch of like that sort of, did you guys notice that theme going through? Yeah. That idea of being able to like be confident in yourself and be like, know your own self-worth and be okay with that and revel in that without being like a bad person or arrogant. And that like, in order to be humble, you don't have to be self-effacing, which I think is a really difficult line um, for a lot of people to, to, to walk. But I know specifically that that is something that is put on women a lot that, um, which is part of America Ferrer's big speech in the middle that I know we're going to get to. Did you know that that woman was uh, Barbara Handler actually herself too? Really? The, the woman sure on, the, her. on the park on bench? On the park bench, yeah. Is is Barbara Handler the... Is Barbie. Mm-hmm. Ruth's daughter who Barbie daughter. is named after? Uh, no, it's rumored. It's not true. I just oh, read it. Not? <laughs> Nuts. Oh, All right, well... It's been largely speculated, but the lady on the bench is actually played by Anne Roth, an Oscar-winning costume designer. Oh, she's a costume designer. I am am wrong. I am wrong. But that is rumored, which would be even cooler. Okay, so great that we didn't say it. 
We don't have to edit around it. <laughs> Great Although that we, we said are not. It. We did Although say we it, it, but we're now unsaying it. So everyone out Unsaid. there, go ahead and just ignore all of that. Cool rumor, not real. Moving on. Amy, what is your most meaningful scene? Not to be cliche, because um, I know this was like a really pivotal moment in the movie where they're trying to win back uh, Barbie land from all of the Kens after the Mojo Casa situation. The Mojo Dojo um, Casa house? <laughs> I can't even say it. Um, America Ferreira's speech when Barbie doesn't feel like she can do it, that she can be the one to kind of do it. And she kind of wants to put it on somebody else. Like this is somebody else can do this. It's not me. I'm, I'm not going to do it. And she gives her this speech about how impossible it is to be a woman. And um, I definitely cried. I was not expecting to resonate so much with the idea that we're always feeling too much and not enough in the same breath. Um, there's no one perfect way that the world views women and, and how we have to be and how we have to act and got to be too much of this, but you can't be too much of that. You can't make men feel this way, but you got to make women feel this way. You've got to be liked. And, and yeah. I'm, I'm doing it horrible justice here. But I, just go read it online. Can I read one little section of it, Amy? Because I have it please, right in front of yes. me. Yes. Yes, please. Oh, this speech coming out of Rob's mouth. Perfect. It's what everyone oh. needed. Let's do it. <laughs> Okay, listen to this, but America Farrah. You have to be thin, but not too thin. And you can never say you want to be thin. You have have to say you want to be healthy, but you also have to be thin. You have to have money, but you can't ask for money because that's crass. You have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. You have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. You're supposed to love being a mother, but don't talk about your kids all the damn time. You have to be a career woman, but also looking out for other people. Yeah. And she ends the thing again, which we were talking about, which says, and you always have to be grateful no matter what. You always have to be grateful. It's to me what what I took away from that. If women get anything, what is imposed on them is that they have to be thankful that they got that. Yes. And that they did not, you know, deserve that necessarily or that it is a blessing that uh, versus that they're inherently worthy of whatever is in their life. Um, What's fascinating about that is that actually that part was added by America Herrera when they were shooting this scene. I read really? the whole, and you always have to be grateful. It was kind of ad-libbed in, um, but she kind of added that and they kind of were like, yeah, let's roll with this. Um, why, Amy, do you think that's the meaning though? Why, why does that unlock the meaning for you? It just stressed the fact that, you know, they have this perfect world where everybody is, you know, happy and, and all the women have all these great jobs and, you know, the men are kind of the accessories and, and everything is perfect, but it's not. And, and she's struggling now with this realization that there is this bigger world and there are these other Barbies and there are, there are these moms that struggle with different thoughts. And, and it is this like pull of who are we? Are we enough? Are we good enough? Do people like us? And it just it hit all of the feels for me. Never mind the the music in this was phenomenal. Like all yeah. of the soundtrack in this was great. The the score, like the tiny little scores of that Billie Eilish song, mm-hmm. um, what was I made for? Kind of just hit throughout the entire movie. Yeah, once you know that song's coming at the end, and you listen to the and you watch the thing again, that little motif that comes in is beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. And I I listened to the soundtrack before I saw the movie because they hyped the soundtrack and there's so many great artists on that. And that song is so haunting and she wrote it specifically for the movie. But it is this like, why am I here? Why are we all here? What was I made for? Um, That struggle of identity. And and I don't know, it just touched me. I've, I've felt a lot of those feelings. I feel sometimes that I'm not necessarily the quintessential woman i'm not a mother i don't have um the kids to talk about so i don't always feel like i fit into every situation so that kind of just resonated with me personally so that was my most meaningful piece of that movie i i I mean that is the soul of the movie i think like if you want to to me that's probably the answer there's no right answer in me in the movie but i think (laughs) that scene probably is the right answer um i want to like circle back though to the beginning because I think it's so fascinating the way that they set this movie up, which is, you know, women were only giving dolls to play with. And then Barbie comes. And what Barbie is going to represent is you can be anything that you want. You can do everything you want. Barbie is going to bring peace and truth and happiness to the world. 
At least that's what Barbie thinks. And I think that is such a smart way to start the movie. Andrew knows I'm a sucker of a voiceover. And so if it has that voiceover at the beginning of the movie, I'm kind Unless of Unless it's Helen Mirren voiceover, baby. I know. So Helen like, you can't, can't beat that. <laughs> you have Helen Mirren voiceover and just flipping it on its head, which Barbie, I mean, before going in the movie, what would you guys say the meaning of Barbie is? It's, you know, fashion and mostly it's being overly skinny, ridiculous proportions, totally unrealistic standard for a woman is what Barbie is. And then they flip it on its head where they're like, no, what Barbie is, is she's a symbol for the beauty of womanhood and you can be what you want. And so like using that to go into the beginning of the movie and then paying it off with that speech uh, on the other side of it, I just thought was so brilliant. Well, I have to say that I think that that's the different generations, right? That's the multi-generational thing. Because Barbie, I do think at the onset, that was the idea of like, we're going to give these little girls this like, what it is to like a woman shape. And they can pretend to like play dress up with, I mean, before Barbie, there were paper dolls, y'all. Right. Actually, it was a paper, and let me teach you, you about like, it, boys. Put the clothes on it. It was one-dimensional, like over. yeah. yeah. You seen these? They're like on. cardboard, and like I rocked those. Like I loved those as a kid, but those I think were before wait, wait. or you, maybe even at the same timing as Barbie. You played with paper dolls. I, I mean, sometimes <laughs> it's what you had, right, Amy? But I yeah, do think my grandma used to draw. These came at the same time. I thought that's like what oh, Amish kids so had. I didn't know that was like uh, a thing. Yeah, or like, you know, they Little House on the cheaper Prairie. cheaper than Barbies. <laughs> you ordered it from like the Sears Roebuck catalog and it came in on the stagecoach. Wow. No, but it, it was something revolutionary, I think, in the 50s. Like that when Barbie came out, she was like giving women, given women and girls this idea that you can be something different. I think we kind of took her proportions and her stereotypicalness kind of to an extreme maybe later. But I think that there was a higher idea like she's going to be this barbie that this doll that can be anything a doctor like she's this blank slate if you will and like it's women can dream kids can dream and i do think i mean even the proportions of the hourglassiness that was kind of in at the time right marilyn monroe was the whole icon i mean not the same measurements i understand this but the the (laughs) idea of that shape of the tiny waist i think it's our generation when you say that rob about like oh unrealistic expectations for women and their size and like make barbie different sizes all of that came when i was after i was done finished playing with them but definitely in my you know in my generation, like in my teens, tweens, there was this whole revolt against Barbie, which I love <laughs> the middle school daughter telling Barbie and that, I mean, how, why do we not say that's a meaningful scene where she tells Barbie she's a fascist? I mean, <laughs> which is awesome because it's the flip script, right? Of like this yeah. thing that was meant to be whatever. And kids these days are like, no, that's lame. Losers do that. And that puts women in boxes and you actually destroyed women. And I think that that's actually kind of tracks along with the course of women trying to figure out where they're at since Barbie came to be like women themselves. If you're looking at a sociocultural um, historical reflection, I think this movie is so cool in that it does kind of follow that trajectory and speak of those different pieces along the way in our journey as women. And I love that Mattel was like basically brave enough to like, or like, okay enough, whatever it was to like actually produce this script about their own IP because it's I the thing that you were talking about, about one generation of something feels empowered or of, of like people feel empowered by a story. And then you go 10 years down the line and the next generation is like, hey, this is actually destroying the fabric of society. I see the same thing with like Disney movies like Beauty and the Beast came out and it was like the first animated film not nominated for an Oscar. It's a beautiful story. It's got a strong woman at the center of it who is like trying to figure out who she is. And it's like standing up to like the men in her society. And it has become the narrative about Beauty and the Beast now is it's a story about a, a woman who gets Stockholm syndrome and falls in love with, you know, a monster, right? And and I think we've done that to Disney movies too. And, and it, you know, the honest truth is there is some interesting problematic things in there that we should talk about, but there's also this wonderful empowerment in there too. And both can exist at the same time and we can have both conversations. And I love that Barbie, like, sometimes in the same sentence is having both conversations of that, you know, these two things can be true at once. Barbie can be this empowerment symbol that is equally problematic to people. Um, And let's talk Mm -hmm. about it, which is an amazing thing to be able to do within a narrative story. Yeah. I mean, one thing you said earlier, Andrew, that I didn't get to was like, you talked about like this movie is so on the nose because it was like 
the theme of the movie is the plot of the movie. And I think that's totally right. And the only other movies that get away with that are Christmas movies. You know, like Christmas movies, it's like the theme is the plot. And so it's like, hey, the meaning of Christmas. And what is it? Like, that's also the plot of the movie. But this is the only other time. But we're talking about deep-seated issues within society about sexism and feminism and all these sort of things in a movie for eight-year-olds um, that's even debating itself the whole time. I mean, I think that's what's so amazing about this movie mm-hmm. is it's not... It, to me, it's not preaching because it's saying something different all the time. It's giving every side of the case all the time. Yeah, I think it does have something on its mind, and it could be preachy. Like, let's say that America Ferrera speech, right? You could say that is super preachy, but it's true to a huge swath of people. And then if you wait 20 minutes, there's going to be another scene with something about the human experience, probably specifically the female experience, like woman's experience on the planet that is also incredibly resonant. So if you start out being a mom and hate the scene, the beginning with them smashing baby dolls like wait wait three minutes right like <laughs> there's gonna be another scene that it, it, it this movie is to me so empathetic like i'm gonna keep saying that throughout the throughout this podcast well let me jump in real quick because when i say preachy what i mean is like finger wagging you should stop mm, doing this and you should start sure. doing this the meaningful scenes of the movie are empathetic scenes are yes. scenes that are about empathy and human connection. The scene Amy highlighted, mm. the scene Sarah highlighted, like those scenes are built on empathy and connecting mm. and seeing someone else. And that's where the real meaning is. It's playful when it's preachy, but when it's really trying to say something, it's building empathy. Well, and I think that's a problem that my coworkers had a, actually a problem with saying like that speech was so cathartic. Like she's pouring her heart out about this human condition of all these women, how hard it is. And, and she does it so well. And it's like, we all wish we just had that breakdown moment. Good job, America. But she does that. And it's just like, she's spewing out. This is exactly the problem. And it's exhausting. And we all felt it as a collective sigh of exhaustion as women. Like, like that's why people are crying. And that's why it's screenshot and posted on all the things is that that was there but then a problem or a flaw that they saw was that there's not really a solution it just laid out a lot of problems without giving a solution which um you know maybe is like people want to tie things up in a bow or maybe as a you know as a christian or religious person she was like you know jesus is the only solution or whatever i don't know what she was getting at but the idea of like you're saying rob like if it was preachy it would say let's solve it by xyz or these people need to do this these pe-. but it doesn't it has all these very relatable or and silly but also empathetic characters who are all having this experience and you're kind of just tracking with each of them and the fact that they can just lay it out and say it and you can feel it with them makes you have to really grapple with and think through like there isn't one single solution in the sense that for all of these people, they're all genuinely searching for how they all coexist and find happiness and appreciation for one another. Uh, in the patriarchy versus perfect Barbie world versus all of the things sense uh, mothers and daughters and all of those bits together. And I love that the, that Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach thought it was cool to just throw all that in there in a blender and just let it be without having to like magically produce an amazing smoothie that changed everyone's life. The thing that I think was interesting about what you're saying there is that a solution is not presented to basically the litany of problems that is that speech. The thing that I think is so interesting from like a therapy point of view, right, is that simply naming the problem is what ultimately is starting to like is is the cure right it starts to unbrainwash all of all of the barbies just saying it out loud it's a normalizing experience like all of them Mm -hmm. kind of just naming not feeling hearing someone else name what you are feeling is one of the most healing things because maybe you haven't put words on it or maybe you have but don't feel like you can say them out loud and so i mean i to, to me, the, that is the solution, right? The, she didn't say, therefore, we should, right? Because saying it out loud is, is what needed, what people needed is to be like, oh, I'm not alone, right? 
maybe right and and there's that journey but i think the woman's speech i think i am but i apologize (laughs) no i mean i think that's great and i think that's true and that's absolutely right but i think that as far as like women have to be this they have to be this like the expectations of like what it is to be a woman being so tricky is what i'm talking about like the content of her speech not the fact that she had an emotional cathartic moment like yeah that's good that is good to hear one another and to empathize with one another and to set yourself free by letting yourself feel the feels and say what you need to say that's absolutely true but none of that necessarily solves society's expectations of us sorry Sorry, therapists, but it, I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's still step. there even after saying it out loud. It didn't it didn't right, exactly. make the problem go away. It's still right. there, but there is a level of this is normal. This feeling right. is is something that is common to the human experience that I think that's where kind of therapy kind of puts a little bit of that. Like you're not alone. There are people here with you like we all feel these things. There are some key things that you need as humans. You need to feel loved. You need to feel valued. You know, you need to feel worthy. Um, and when you don't feel those things, these, these gaps start to pull at you. So I think you, you said, it. I mean, saying all those things out loud is huge. I totally agree. I mean, I think it's important to realize that in the movie, the inciting incident is they're at this party and they're all dancing like, Barbie, you look great. You look great. And then she's like, anyone ever think about death? And all of a sudden like, it's like record scratch. And everyone stops like, whoa, what's going on here? And, you know, like that's the thing is like w- there is criticism about Barbie world as well. There's a lot like a lot of ink has been spilled and TikToks have been created about the toxic masculinity and feminism and all that sort of stuff. But there is a lot of critique about this world where it's like, oh, I look perfect. I feel perfect. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm great. I'm great. And I can never have a problem. I just have to like kind of smile. And even the next day, I love when Barbie wakes up and the awesome song starts coming again. But then that song gets really honest of like, oh, your breath stinks and (laughs) you've got a headache and your milk is expired you know it's doing all this stuff of like oh your life is not perfect you know and so i think that's part of what it's tearing down is like the barbification that we've that we put on women or women put on themselves you know like it's actually attacking that in the movie and that if if you achieve that that is sort of the ultimate happiness right like if, if you could achieve the perfect life you would ultimately be happy which ultimately she isn't once she sees pain she ends up wanting that to some degree which is kind of wild and to me is a lot of the meaning of the movie i'd love to talk about characters for a moment um who has the most meaningful character well to say my most meaningful character is ken would be incorrect but we haven't talked about ken yet so i want to thank you (laughs) thank you i thought you were about to you're Um, so right there (laughs) yeah uh so um First of all, uh, Ryan Gosling is incredibly handsome and one of the coolest people <laughs> on earth. Um, fun fact, um, about 10 years ago, I had to play uh, Sky Masterson, the musical Guys and Dolls, and he's supposed to be the coolest guy on stage, and I couldn't pull it off. I was not the coolest guy on stage. And so I watched <laughs> Ryan Gosling in Crazy Stupid Love and just pretended to be Ryan Gosling, and I kind of was good in the show. <laughs> so Ryan Gosling is literally my yes. standard of what cool is. And so to see him be this like insanely vulnerable, self-conscious, needy, valueless person was uh, just a wild ride. I I think like really great casting um, to start off with. Um, But I think Ken's character through the movie was a really interesting window for me because one, I empathized with him a, a lot being a guy watching the movie, but then also recognizing that from the jump in in Barbie land, they basically had switched men and women. And so Ken's experience in Barbie land was supposed to be a, a mirror of women's experience in the real world. And so me watching being in his shoes was putting me in the shoes of what a typical woman's experience is. But yes. then that switching. And so that's why I'm saying like they're they're like saying both things at the same time a lot of the time. And so there's some things where I was feeling for Ken and then I wonder like oh is that a feeling that is supposed to be for me or is it inverted and I think that's what this movie is doing is saying like while first and foremost this is a a movie about what it means to be a woman I do think it's a movie about what it means to be a person and what it means to be human and like at, at like a second level and I think me watching Ken's story there was a lot that I kind of thought or reflected on about myself in his search for value throughout the movie 
Um, so for him, there was a lot of his scenes. We can jump into some of them, but there was a lot of his scenes as he was looking to be a valuable, just to have value as a person in any way he could find it. Um, and what that ultimately led him to do or led him to act that I sort of like resonated with him a lot, even when he was doing like terrible things. I was like, I get why he's doing it. Um, which made it sort of like made me check myself, but then made me laugh at myself a little bit. This movie does not work without Ken. No, this movie does not work without Ken. Uh, without without Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Without Ryan Gosling as Ken. Like, That's I think fair. if they would have cast just about anyone else, this movie doesn't make a billion dollars. And I, I mean, I agree. It's like the worst possible thing I can probably say, which is Ken is the star <laughs> of the Barbie movie. Um, and that's it's not, not it's not a good look. It's not but, great. It's not great. It's not great. It's not true. <laughs> he, he's good, but he's and Ken. But what I love Sorry. about him is he <laughs> he there's this. I think what you said, Andrew, is so spot on of like his point in the movie is to show that he has no meaning without Barbie's gaze. Like there literally is nothing to him and he has no value without Barbie's gaze. And he has this monologue outside of the Mojo Dojo Casa house where he's like, there was this woman that I met and she walked up to me and she said, hey, what time is it? And it was so beautiful, you know, and then he like shows that he has like six watches on and he just like sells it so much. But you just you do see that it's like, oh, his life is totally devoid of meaning. And then all of a sudden he people value him. And so that gives him meaning. And then quickly turns toxic and insane and you, you know who he kind of is i want to say this ken in this movie is almost like if buddy the elf would have went to fight club and then brought fight club back to barbie land like that's what it reminded me of it was brought like fight club back to the north pole yes brought, brought fight club back to the north pole it was just yeah. like it, it was like toxic masculinity through the lens of buddy the elf and it just was so fun like fight club was definitely on the mind of this movie and those guys and it was just so funny how they did it and created it and <laughs> made it happen the epic beach off i mean how do you not love the epic beach off i mean it was so ridiculous you're like i cannot even believe the things they're fighting with right now which was so awesome but i wanted to say about that that you said that he kind of mirrors women and he did say he is the ultimate pick me girl like the pick me girl of uh i just hope that you know he sees me and like i can i can like be seen by him like he's such a pick me girl and he does it so well like i don't know if ryan gosling was studying tiktoks from the uh whatever Gen Ron Alpha. I don't even know if Alphas do TikToks yet, but you know what I'm saying? Because he was a perfect pick-me-girl. And I was like, Gosling, you get it. And he even says, like, he names it of the, uh, it's Barbie and Ken. Like, right. that he gets that, like, he's just a supporting character. He's not, like, without Barbie, he's not really Ken. And, um, and like you said, obviously, like, that's kind of has been or was at certain points. And arguably still is, yeah. you know, the women's condition. And so uh, that's why I really enjoyed that scene uh, between he and Barbie toward the end of the movie, um, because I thought it was very poignant. But, yeah, no, yeah. I just I, we really need to give him mad props for his pick me girl energy. So good job. He, he, he had great <laughs> pick me girl energy um, throughout. I also love you. You were uh, talking about the like fight scene they have when they have like the big the big beach off, which ends up not even being a fight scene. It ends up being a musical dance number because they don't know how to fight. There are no weapons in Barbie land. <laughs> like, like they're going to have a battle, but they all get there. And like, to, to me, it's like the ultimate like meta thing of like in this land, these people don't even know, like the Kens don't even know how to have conflict. They don't even know how to war. So they're going to do the ultimate extreme, like West side story thing because it's all they got. And also because it was amazing. And it was also, <laughs> it was delightful. The like technical cinematography of the beach scene, all the guys are moving in real time while all of the projectiles are moving in slow motion, which is like amazing. It's really, really cool. Yeah, it's <laughs> like I did not catch. I did not catch it the first time around. Uh, I watched it. I was like, man, there's a lot of special effects that you wouldn't think. But it's like everything that's being thrown is going in slow motion while all the guys are moving in normal speed. It's wild. Amy, what about you? You got a most meaningful character you want to talk about? <laughs> I'll say like maybe not as meaningful, but one of my favorites after seeing like all the glitz and glam of Barbie land was weird Barbie and Kate McKinnon's yes. character. <laughs> Why is she always in the splits? <laughs> <laughs> we always had everybody had that one friend that would like 
just, I was pristine with my Barbies. Like they were very well maintained, but everybody had that friend that like buzzed the hair, colored it, you know, and put it on the top of a pencil. Maybe that's just my friends. Um, were your friends she, like Sid from Toy Story? A little bit. No, seriously. No, everybody has. The, it was the 90s. We have a Barbie like that, that at our house right now. I have four daughters and there are weird Barbies at our house. One of the four for sure likes to create weird Barbie. <laughs> it's it's just a thing. How can I take this beautiful thing and make it prettier in my own way? Um, I liked how she was a little bit of the the place that you go to get answers. <laughs> you know, like she was the the sage, the... Uh, the Yoda, if you will, like needed to go there and kind of figure out which way she's going and and then be pushed a little bit that direction. I just thought that character was was fun and interesting and different and um, incredibly relatable in terms of the Barbie that we all had that was perma splits. <laughs> Sarah, you have a most meaningful character? I definitely do. But when you just said the Barbie with the splits, I couldn't help but think of the pooping dog, <laughs> which was amazing. I did love how they in- included like so many of like Mattel's mistakes yes. along the way, like discontinued fun. Barbies that were like a terrible plan. Yeah, the- <laughs> Growing up Skipper and uh, Magical Earring Ken, yeah. all, all that kind of stuff that was that, that they like point out like, hey, we did this in the 80s. That was ridiculous, wasn't it? Yeah, no. And and I think that that's what I was trying to explain to somebody like Although it is, you know, mirroring and trying to give images of these, you know, know, the women run land and Barbie land and then patriarchy, blah, blah, blah. It is also actually a movie about these toys that were created for this purpose. And so in the sense that they just have fun with it, of all the toys and like, yeah, of course they wouldn't have guns to fight with because it's toy land. And just like suspending reality of it's not actually there, but we're just going to go along with it. Um, So my most meaningful character, uh, I loved Michael Sarah's character and my brain is going (laughs) blank. Now, I don't know if he... Thank Alan. you, Alan. Okay, and I love Alan because there's like all the Kens and they're like, and there's just one. And the only thing we know about Alan, about Alan is that there's just one of him and he fits Ken's clothes. And that was about it. And I love that he still gets to be there. And he's just like the side character of the side character. And he's just so very awkward. And I don't know if I can really attach meaning to it, except that there are definitely those people that I've known in life um, that do kind of have that side character to the side character energy. And you feel so much empathy and compassion for them, right? Like poor Michael Sarah, he was like, Barbie world, not so great, but get me out of the patriarchy. It's just trash. <laughs> and so uh, I, I do appreciate him. We have talked way too much and we have not mentioned Margot Robbie nearly enough. I did give oh, a lot of pl- praise to Ryan Gosling. I, listen, I want to say this. As my wife knows, I listen to a ton of basketball podcasts. One thing basketball podcasts talk about all the time is who is the number one NBA player in all the world? If you had to pick one, who is that? Yep. When I was watching this movie, I was like, Margot Robbie, I think, is the biggest star in the world. She is the brightest star right now of anyone and her performance in this movie is actually really really great i mm-hmm. maybe i'd say oscar worthy i mean ryan gosling is funny and like makes the movie work but margot robbie gives it soul of like she looks like barbie but then she gets really emotional she kind of has the whole journey and she's just so mesmerizing and i was thinking you know, Julia Roberts, Christy Brinkley, I don't, all these other different actresses, like many of them. Chris, sorry, Christy <laughs> Brinkley? Sorry. Yeah, I don't think she's ever acted. She's just a model, right? You're going through your list of top actors and that's, that's, that was your number two? Well, I don't want to derail your thoughts. She's like a model but... in 1982. I love that reference, though. Well, I was thinking once upon a time, she was it. She was the most beautiful woman in the world who, like, everyone loved. Okay. And she could never do this. You know, Marilyn Monroe could not have starred in this at this level, even though she was the most beautiful. Like Margot Robbie has otherworldly Barbie beauty. Like she is truly Barbie, um, but they're sold to her. And I was like, it's a great performance and she brings a lot to it. And so that is, that is something really how much we sort of fawned over Ryan Gosling and then skipped over Margot Robbie for like the last 40 minutes. Um, I had I've had this conversation with my wife several times about the idea of an ingenue in in media. Um, her and I do a lot of a lot of theater, and we've noticed at performances that 
the like funny male character always gets louder applause than whoever the ingenue is, no matter how good the ingenue is. The ingenue can be amazing. And for some reason, we just expect that level from like a beautiful woman playing a sweet role. Like, good for you. But when there's like a guy that's like over the top and funny, we're like, that's amazing. And there's something that like as a culture, we react to more to that. And I've seen that in blog posts, like so many people talking about Ryan Gosling and like sort of what we did here. It's actually kind of standard in a lot of the critical response to this movie is people talk about Gosling before they talk about Margot Robbie. And she is the foundation of this movie. She is the soul of this movie. Like you were just saying, Rob, like she she is what like carries and binds this and is the absolute heart of this this movie. And somehow like so we get to her second or third and that is like why is that i'm not totally sure but it is something that seems to stem sort of further than this movie in general with the bench scene that's what sold it that's what made that scene so gripping was ever it was such a zoomed in shot of her face reacting yeah. to all the scenes it wasn't necessarily all the vignettes it was her face taking it in like how somebody could have that great of control and precision of emotion and like every single thing reading on her face and then the perfect beautiful tears um you know and because she was able to play that off so well at such a delicate serious lovely moment that's where it was like this is star quality this is the most meaningful moment because it all just overwhelmed from her and just the most tiny micro muscles and movements she was able to portray that um and i think that yeah she could dance and she could be fun and she could be silly but she also had so much heart and um sincerity with which she played this role that i think it sold it as um as a movie about a human condition starred who whom the star of the film is actually not at all human, you know, and that she was able to do that is just, you know, slow clap all the way to the Oscars. I wish that, I mean, I hope, I wish that she could get nominated for this because she we may. don't nominate enough actors for comedic yeah. performances. You know, one thing that's really interesting about what uh, you said, Andrew, is like, it's kind of like the parents where like one of the parents is really reliable, responsible, gets the kids there, you know, does all the stuff. And then there's the other parent who's like, hey, I I take the kids swimming and buy pizza once a week. And But I'm the fun, I mean, I'll just say the stereotypes. Like, I'm the fun dad, but then mom actually does all the work, but dad gets celebrated. It's like, oh, it's dad, and that sort of thing. I think that's the sort of uh, dynamic that you're hitting on, which is really, really interesting, yeah. which is like we kind of emotionally attach to whoever makes us laugh. And we're like, okay, oh, that's our buddy, you know? And we're like, oh, yeah, we respect the serious one who does the work, but you know, we like the, Oh, that's the kooky sidekick. You know, like we, sometimes we like the sidekick and the rom-com more than the main character themselves. Um, and there's just mm-hmm. something to that. Yeah. Like, like you were saying in like our, our own lives, is it like we sometimes skip over the, the thing or the person who's like putting in the energy and is the soul and is the foundation of maybe even whatever is going on. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting too you know, pulling this too far out into the, 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 the real world, but I feel like this movie has so much to say about what it means to live and just like walk through the world that it, it is. It's a little bit hard not to reflect so many of these scenes like back on your own life. Okay. I have one more question. Have we talked about the patriarchy enough? Should we all give our thoughts on what this movie says about the patriarchy? I've had a, I've had an interesting path into my feminism, if, if you will. My The women in my family are very big presence. Um, and I think the men are kind of shoved a little bit down. So I, I didn't really get feminism for a long time until I branched out. But I think what I took from this is the extremes of both are not really good for anyone right Mm -hmm. like the matriarchy was not the right fit and the patriarchy is not the right fit and it it, we need something else and and they don't solve that for us obviously but um you know she gets to make a choice at the end about where she wants to be and and i i don't know that i have anything specifically i want to say um without swear words about the patriarchy but like there is a lot in that america ferrera speech that like is part of the patriarchy for us like we don't feel that way because other women necessarily i mean some of them do like but a lot of the times those are 
those are things that we think and are reflected back on us from from men and and um you know i was even thinking about this like when when we started this conversation like we graduated from barbies to rom-coms like we don't there, there was nothing in between like we immediately go from playing with these dolls to stories about love and relationships and what do men think about us and do they like us and do we end up with them at the end of it and like this story wasn't about that and i loved that part of it it, it was wasn't very pointedly about, not about that very pointedly like she had no interest in that with him and he was so offended by that and it was like it was her fault that she didn't like him and i'm like back off <laughs> you know scene that, that we've kind of touched on a little bit at the end with barbie and and ken up in the up in the bedroom where he's like crying and apologizing for the patriarchy and wishing it was just about horses I love horses are a man <laughs> extender is just like, Mwah. it's like maybe one of the best lines ever written. Um, applause um. to that. Um, but in one of the things that, again, empathizing with Ryan, Ryan Gosling's character in, 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 in that scene that I saw that I hadn't ever seen in a movie before was this idea of a man who is like, let's call it the leading male character in, in, in the movie wanting a woman to love him and that woman not loving him. And that is something that is like non-existent in media. Yeah. Right. Like plenty of times there is the male hero who wants a girl and there's another girl who likes him and he can be like, no. Right. But he still gets this girl because ultimately in a lot of our movies even rom-coms honestly the men have agency mm -hmm. this is something i've written a blog about and it was it's just something that i went through in in college is this wild like personal transformation which is weird which is like realizing that in relationships because so many movies present relationships as this thing where the guy has the agency and as long as he does the right thing at the right time in the right way the woman will fall in love with him and that's like the woman is the goal of the rom-com she is the prize and he has to figure out how to do the secret code like indiana jones in the temple he has to push the right buttons and if he does it just the right way and doesn't fall into the sand trap then he gets the woman at the end of the thing and that is in so much media that to watch a, a movie in which this guy truly is in love with someone and she just isn't interested and it's not because necessarily he's bad though he did some horrible things right but it just truly she isn't like she has the agency to not want a man and that's perfectly fine and to like see that portrayed, I was like, this is so refreshing. Growing up, I don't remember ever seeing that thing in a, in a movie. And I remember being in like my mid 20s when I locked all that in my brain and realized like some of these girls in pursuing a college or whatever, like simply don't like me. And that's fine. And it's not because I'm doing anything wrong. They just don't like me because that's their personal agency. And realizing that I hadn't ever seen a story that painted that for me that I was like, this is what kind of this whole idea about representation is talking about is like, we need to be able to see ourselves in different things. And so to be able to sort of like see that portrayed, I thought was like amazing. Dang. I think that's your meaning in the movie speech. Like that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the bigger part of that though, but that, sorry, I just want to add to that. Like yeah. about that, it was like, patriarchy is exactly the point of why all that is there, right? Men right. are the center of every love story. Men are the center of every business movie, of every army movie, of everything. I mean, even if a female lead is there, it's only because she's fighting against the extreme power of all the men around her, like in every movie, right. because it's echo of life. So, I mean, I don't think that there, I do think that the my favorite line uh, was when Ken says to the, the guy, um, man, it feels like you guys aren't doing what happened to the patriarchy. You're not doing it right. And he's like, we still are. We're just, we don't talk about it or something. I'm really We're bad better at, at hiding it. We're better, at, We're better at hiding it. Thank you. And which I think was actually kind of like funny and maybe a little too heavy handed, but it, you know, there's kind of that, like there it's there, but it's more like woven in. And, uh, but that's exactly what you're talking about. Like it's, it's always the men and whatever them in the control and then whatever. And that's just because that's just how these society's rules have been established for hundreds of years. And it's changing. And it's not just necessarily like social rules. It's like our narrative convention, the stories we tell each other, right? The stories that we love, the right, like, like in, let's just go back to Star Wars. Cause Rob and I can't not go back to Star Wars, right? Like the idea of princess Leia not ending up with someone is never on the table, 
right? It's like, is she going to choose Luke or Han, right? That's the question. The idea that Leia isn't going to fall in love with one of them. Now, one of them ends up being her brother, so thank God. But right. But <laughs> yeah, I was like, but, don't like, choose that, Luke. Don't do it. No, no. But that, that, that's like when you're watching those movies as a kid, that's never on the table. The Princess Leia is just going to like be the commander of the rebellion and live her best life and not choose a guy that's like never in your thought process. And she picks on and of course she does. Right. Like, like, so yeah, like the stories we tell each other don't give women that agency of like, if they want to fall in love or what they want to do. And I, I think I, I, I loved that about this movie so, so much of how well it, it painted that. Exactly. The reason why those don't aren't is because it is folded so subtly into our psyche. Yeah. <laughs> patriarchy. Yeah. Uh, patriarchy. <laughs> like we Sorry, don't even guys. realize we're doing it is my point <laughs> yeah well let's get to it this is a, kind of your final argument on the meaning of the movie and so this is it if there's anything any scenes you didn't mention any parts that you want to say what is the meaning of barbie if you're just explaining this is what it means what are you going to say i feel it's this uh, a little bit of this existential crisis midlife crisis who am i who was i who am I supposed to be? Am I living the life that I should be living? Um, do I get to choose what life I'm living? I, I, I really, I, I don't know that if I'm, I don't know that I'm coming to a conclusion with those questions, but I feel like all of those questions were very much posed and, and opened up along the, along the ride for me. And um, just loved watching her as specifically Margot Robbie. And you did say lovely things about her. And I, I feel like we spent so much time talking about Barbie that I, that we meant her, but yes, yeah. she and her acting was superb. Um, the emotional ride that she goes on during this, just trying to figure out her identity and then ultimately choosing to not be an idea, but to be a human and to go through that struggle. And Honestly, that last scene where she shows up at the gynecologist, I'm like, could we not have picked a more like classic place for her to end this movie? <laughs> like I was like, yes, guess what your first thing is, honey? You get to go see the doctor, <laughs> the lady parts doctor. Um, I just I, I loved all the identity struggle in that for me. But um, I love how it kind of left it a little open. Beautiful. Uh, Andrew, what about you? Meaning of the movie? Um, well, I, I think I just had a giant, giant monologue about uh, agency and all of that. But there is a wonderful scene at the end that I wanted to touch on, which to me sort of wraps up the idea of this movie and how it me not being a, um, a woman, how it sort of connected with me about what it means just to be human is that scene at the very end where um, Barbie is with sort of the creator, Ruth, in the void. And they're talking about basically what it means to be a person. And Barbie is not choosing if she wants matriarchy or patriarchy or what, but she's choosing, do I want to be human or not? Do I want to live in a world that has pain and feelings or do I want to live in a world that's ultimately plastic? And she, um, in, in the middle of that, um, Barbie says, I never wanted anything to change. Um, and Ruth says, honey, that's life. It's all change. And Barbie says, but that's terrifying. And I think that probably for me was the most relatable line in the whole movie of this idea of like everything in life, everything that is beautiful and everything that is eventually bad. Everything in life is change after change after change. And that is that is life and that is beautiful. And in the same breath, it is absolutely terrifying. And it's like uncomfortable. And Ruth says something else like a few sentences later where she says humans make up things like patriarchy and Barbie just to deal with how uncomfortable life is. And I was like, like to me, it was like being human is really painful and it creates all this. We create all this stuff just to like deal with it. And yet at the same time, it's that scene on the park bench. And again, it's replicated in that scene that comes right after that, where he says, take my hands and now now feel. And that's what makes you human. Right. You will become human by just feeling the world, the good and the bad. Like that to me is ultimately the meaning of this movie is if you can empathize and feel with along with the people that are standing next to you, um, if you can put yourself in each other's shoes and which is what this movie is doing every step of the way. Like, um, yeah, to me, to me, that's the meaning of the movie is sort of what it means. Um, it is what it means to be a woman. But as a man watching the movie, kind of what it means to be human and the the beauty of life, I guess. I just want to point out we're talking about a Barbie Mattel toy. And we're getting what? into like this deep philosophical stuff. Amy, Andrew, I know, I'm tearing up. You're like crushing it, <laughs> doing such a good job. And, and this is a movie about a Mattel toy, and it's like the depths of our know, soul. Man. Sarah, what do you got? What's your meaning in the movie? 
Oh, man, I literally cannot follow up with both of those because they were both amazing and poignant and true. Um, In that same scene with Ruth, the creator at the end, I love that Barbie, she she says, I want to help create. And the idea of she is uh, sorry to go get a little church and up in here but the idea of that she's having this conversation with the person who created her and saying that she's choosing to enter the pain in order to also be able to be a co-creator as in she wants the free will of being able to choose because before she was in the plastic land where there was no free will people were doing this for her she didn't have any it was perfect but it was not and it's the fallen world that she actually wanted to go into to actually be able to speak be able to speak life, even if it meant experiencing death and hurt. And to me, mm-hmm. that was powerful. I mean, I was like, there are some religious people who don't like this for other weird reasons, but that took me to church because I could see so many parallels with the gospel story. I think one of the big questions in all the internet debate about this movie is, does this movie hate men? And there's one, the my favorite part of the movie was when they were doing that set piece and they were going around of like how you distract men and they're going and it's like, okay, get them to explain the Godfather to you. And I felt so seen in that moment. I felt of like, so seen in that scene. Of like getting, I'm, in fact, the only thing worse than mansplaining the Godfather is mansplaining what Barbie means. And I'm very mindful of that through this whole me- episode. And then go. they're also like, oh, what's a CD? And then he explains what a CD is. It's like, oh, that actually means certificate of deposit and that's whole thing. And then he's like, oh, and then, oh, teach me how to like hit a baseball and all that sort of stuff. And so each one of those things happen. And what I realized on the second watch is what men desperately want is they want to be known and needed and valued. Yes. And sometimes that happens in a healthy way. And sometimes that happens in a toxic way. But Andrew, Mm -hmm. your quote is so spot on of like the world is painful. And because of the pain of the world, we do think we create things like patriarchy and we create things like Barbie. And so those are responses to the pain that we face. And I think that's why this movie is so empathetic and loving to women. And yes, even to men, because it's like, yes, these are dumb things that guys do. The Matchbox 20 song is an absolute atrocity, but they're singing the song in the worst possible way because they want to like say, hey, look at me. I'm worth loving. I'm worth seeing. Is it the healthiest and best way to do it? No, probably not. But that's what their heart is. And there's still some sympathy for these guys even at their worst. And I think that's what the meaning of the movie is. Oh, I love that, man. This is great. We should have uh, four people on this podcast more often. <laughs> no. This is this is wonderful. Sarah, uh, Sarah and Amy, thank you. Thank you so much uh, for coming in here and talking to us about the Barbie movie and saving us from being two guys alone on a podcast talking about the meaning of feminism. I think you mean two guys wearing pink shirts talking about the meaning of feminism. That's right. If you guys are, uh, aren't are seeing this on video and are just watching the audio, uh, Rob and I are both rocking the pink shirt because we know how to dress up for a podcast. And also, real men wear pink. Let's just go ahead and say it. Real like, men do wear pink. Why would we not normalize wearing pink? I think you look good pink. in pink. Pink's a freaking great color. Wear it. And I do want to give a shout out. The Meaning of the Movie has its own Instagram page that we've just launched, and so you can watch clips on this episode, other things, announcements about future episodes, you can join us there. Join the discussion on our Facebook group. And uh, it's been a great discussion. Ladies, gentlemen, everyone else, we'll see you next time on The Meaning of the Movie. Oh.